is a Bramble Jam podcast. Happy Monday, Christmas lovers. I'm Bran, and I love Christmas movies that came out after the year 1992. I'm Alonzo, and I love making Bran watch films that are in black and white. And oh, this is the Deck the Hallmark <laughs> podcast. remember st louis (laughs) we'll be getting back to color at some point i promise yeah we'll see we'll see about it i'm starting to (laughs) just a just a big joke to play hey look uh there are right now uh at least two major black and white movies that are nominated for academy awards this year belfast is up for best picture tragedy of Macbeth uh for cinematography and uh, actor so like you know People, black and white is awesome. You need to train your eyes to understand it and love it. You want to know something crazy? Shoot. (laughs) I kind of like a black and white choice, like now. But Uh like. Back when it was standard. Back when it was standard, I don't know. But, (laughs) but in your, in black and white's defense, so far black and white is two for two. Color was my least favorite of the three that we've seen so far. So, there you go. Uh, but it's just like if you know, if colors, an, if colors an option, you know, <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? Like, go with colors an option. I just found out, nineteen forty four. We could have been doing this all along. No, oh I, my gosh, unbelievable! Is Belfast good? I, I, I really haven't heard anything about it. Uh, you know, I that's that's one of the ones I have to catch up with before really? uh, before Oscars happen. I've not seen it yet. Yeah. All right, there were a couple movies on that best picture list, and I'm like, I haven't even heard of you, and that's because <laughs> I live in Greenville, South Carolina, where yeah, it yeah, happens. Yeah, where Venom is still somehow in theaters. I think I don't don't get me started. Oh, Venom. Um oh, man, real bad. Well, drive drive my car is really good, but it is a three hour movie in Japanese, so be ready for that. But it's still really good. You should see it. I have less of a problem with the Japanese and more of a three. Like, it's just, that's just a, a, a commitment. And when you got two kids, it's just, I still haven't seen West Side Story because it's two and a half. And that's just like uh, a full afternoon. Like, it's a full, a full sure ordeal. So it's tough. It. It's tough to get that's, out to the theaters for more than two hours, you know? Go rolls over into OT, right? With, yeah. With, with, uh, <laughs> with trailers and stuff at that point, it's, oh, yeah. it's, just, it's just an ordeal. But I would rather watch a movie in, th- in, tra- in theaters, so. It's just tough. It's tough, you know? It's tough. You got to make decisions. Um, We're not talking about those, though. We're talking about, uh, we're going old school today. Uh, I know this is probably not going to be that hard of a a segue from I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies. I'm sorry. I'll Be Home for Christmas, 1998, (laughs) to uh, whatever we're watching this week. But I'm down to see, you know, what, what we got going on. So, Alonzo, tease it for me. Okay, so we're going to set the Wayback Machine about 50 years earlier than that Jonathan Taylor Thomas classic you made me watch last week. Uh, And this, like Remember the Night, is a movie that I was really not aware of for most of my life. And then TCM really elevated it and started playing it a lot and boosted it. And I think now it is becoming more and more like part of people's kind of annual uh, Christmas watch list. Uh, This is a comedy from 1947 called It Happened on Fifth Avenue. And 
it is about uh, a rich guy who's kind of a jerk who has a big mansion on Fifth Avenue. If you're watching The Gilded Age on HBO right now, you know that Fifth Avenue used to be where a lot of the big schmancy houses were. Um, he uh, spends his winters off at his like hunting lodge in Virginia. And there is a very savvy uh, gentleman of the streets who basically moves into his house every winter while, while dude is out of town. And he winds up being joined by several other people, including a handful of ex GIs who have, you know, just gotten through fighting world war two and now, don't have a place to live, including one of whom who just got kicked out of his apartment because the building is being turned into a high rise by the rich guy. Um, and then you have the rich guy's daughter who shows up to get some coats out of a room and they catch her and they assume that she is also uh, someone without a place to live. And so she falls in love with the GI and um, moves in pretending to be poor so that she can live there. And then her parents want to keep an eye on her. And so then they also have to pretend to be poor in their own house it gets uh, very complicated, but it's a lot of fun and it's very Christmassy. And um, it is a movie that was actually a, a, a screenplay that Frank Capra considered directing um, when he got back from World War II, uh, but instead decided to make It's a Wonderful Life. Wow. Well, that's a fun bit of, bit of trivia for you. Yeah. You want to know what I'm fascinated by here, Alonzo, is you have, you have uh, 12 weeks to get from wherever you started in 1940 to, mm -hmm. to 1992, or I believe you're yes. doing one after that. And uh, you've used a quarter of your choices to be in the forties. <laughs> Look, I don't know what to tell you. The forties had a lot of stuff going on and uh, you know, I, it's funny. There are, I've noticed in, in doing my research over the years, there are big gaps where there's really not much happening Christmas wise. Like hmm. there are almost no 1970s Christmas movies. Really? Yeah, go figure. Like, uh, it, it's it's just this, you know, uh, I think these things are kind of cyclical. There was something about uh, the pre-war years and the post-war years where it seemed to be a topic that came up a lot. And then other times where it's not. And then, I mean, you know, I'm sure as we look back at the last few years, because so much of it's happening on like Hallmark and Lifetime yeah. and the cable channels making, you know, so much Christmas content that in theaters – Christmas movies, for the most part, are either like R-rated comedies or horror movies or films that have casts that are generally not reflected on TV or at least hadn't been before. So you get like a Medea Christmas and, and um, you know, this Christmas and a lot of like these, you know, great films with all black casts because like the Hallmark Lifetime movies until a couple of years ago were very, very white. Um so yeah, it just there was something about the '40s. I don't know, a lot of great stuff, and I I, I stand by all of these movies. So it's not like I, I just did it because I I wanted them to be old. I wanted them to be good, and these are the best ones. Trying to think now, like the the last Christmas movie that I saw in the in the theaters. That's not, you know, Krampus came out. The R, R movies don't really do much for me. The cut like yeah, I mean like comedies. Yeah, Office Christmas Party it was an R movie. For me. It um, I saw the man who yeah. invented Christmas, but like that's kind of uh, the book is really good, by the way, and not a Christmas Carol. I mean, there's actually the book, The Man Who Invented Christmas, is a lot better than the movie was. Uh, Meet the Coopers is that a name of a movie? Love, 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 love the, the Coopers. Coopers. I think that's the yes. last one I saw in theaters that was like yeah. that was real Christmassy. 
Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just it's a it's a it's a thing that comes and goes in waves. Forties just happen to have a lot of great ones, and as as Panda would say, I stand by it. Yeah, as you should, pal. Uh, <laughs> you know what? And I I don't want to. I I have no idea. I haven't seen your list, but maybe maybe we'll be in the forties some more. I, I I mean, maybe it's just maybe we're just gonna be the forties for the rest of this thing. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> we don't know. Could be. We're in the forties until week eleven, and then week twelve, <laughs> yeah, really go for it. Uh, either way, I'm excited about it. It's uh, uh, it happened on Fifth Avenue. Is that the name? Correct. Yes. Right. And do you know off the top of your head where it's streaming, or should I just click uh, on the link? It is- it is available for rental on uh, iTunes and Amazon and Vudu and all those places. Right. And Warner Archive Collection put a nice Blu-ray out of it in 2020. Uh, so, you know, if you are getting, if you are a physical media person or you check it out from the library, uh, you should be able to find it. There you go. Let's do it. I'll go watch it and we'll be right back after this break here on Deck the Hallmark. Welcome back to Deck the Hallmark on a Monday. Uh, four, 1947 is the year that we yes. traveled back in time to. Um, it's nice. It's nice back there. It's nice back there. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about uh, it happened on Fifth Avenue. Alonzo, would you mind doing a little a little synopsis for me? Oh, I would love to, and I forgive me for not being ready, but uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta you gotta do the you gotta do when it originally. Uh, I, I, yes, and I I, I actually uh, I've been I've been stealing these from my own book, so you know, uh, but yes, it happened on Fifth Avenue, opened uh, at Easter in 1947, <laughs> and it went a little something like this. Every Christmas season, millionaire Michael J. O'Connor boards up his Fifth Avenue mansion and winters in Virginia. And every year, while O'Connor is out of town, homeless man about town Aloysius T. McKeever sneaks into his house to stave off the winter cold. When veteran Jim gets evicted from his apartment so that O'Connor's company can tear down the building to put up a skyscraper, Aloysius invites him into the mansion. Soon they've got lots of company. O'Connor's daughter Trudy turns up to get some clothes, and the men assume that she too is impoverished. Trudy falls in love with Jim, so she doesn't tell them otherwise. Looking for Trudy, both O'Connor and his estranged wife Mary wind up joining the household themselves, having to pretend to be poor and penniless as do a trio of Jim's old army pals with their wives and children. Will Michael J. O'Connor allow his daughter to marry a man without means? And will Jim want to marry Trudy when she when he finds out that she's related to his wealthy nemesis? It's all going to work out over the holidays. And that, <laughs> my friends, was it happened on Fifth Avenue. Yeah! I like your synopses because they have questions at the end that make you uh, still have to watch it. That was great. Uh, let's talk about it. I do want to yes. know um, some more history from you about um, this movie because uh, I don't feel like you told me when you saw it or, or your history. Uh, no, with no, it, so. we, hadn't, we hadn't talked about yeah, this yet. Yeah, tell me about this one because uh, uh, it's definitely a name that I know, you know, and so yeah. I imagine this isn't one that you just had to do because of the book. Well, actually, it, it kind of that's about when it really? popped up. But uh, but like it, it like remember the night I was I was doing a little digging. This is a movie that kind of disappeared for like twenty years. Really? 
Yeah, it was sort of out of circulation and fans of it would sort of clamor for like TCM to air it. And, and Turner Classic Movies kind of brought it back in 2009. Interesting. But before in the decades before that, it had just been sort of off the radar. It The, the movie had been part of a package of this was a film produced. The company that it's credited to is Allied Artists, but it's actually made by Monogram, who was like one of the the lowest budget of the, the low budget studios back in the day. They ground out a lot of like westerns and you know gangster movies. Um, in fact, Godard uh, uh, dedicated Breathless to Monogram Pictures because they were they were the 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 the, the kind of down in the dirt of the of the of the Hollywood studios of, of making low budget movies. But after the war, they decided they were going to try and like make some pricier movies and try and have them taken more seriously. So they started this allied artists uh, uh, branch and the movie did OK. at The theater, I think it like kind of broke even. Um but the movie in syndication to television was part of a package of monogram films. Mm. And then they just stopped being available in syndication for quite a while. So yeah, I did not see this movie until I was researching the book because wow. I was writing the book in 2009. The book came out in 2010 and like, remember the night it was like, Oh, I've never heard of this movie before, but I love it. And, um, and so now it's become, I think part of the staple and, you know, TCM now airs it every December. And, you know, if you were watching on YouTube, this lovely Blu-ray came out. Uh, last December, I want to say, um, or rather December of 2020. Um, so, you know, it is it has reemerged as, you know, one as part of the kind of American Christmas canon. That's fascinating. And you said uh, Frank Capra was going to do Frank Capra it? Had, yeah, he had he'd considered the story uh, that he was the film that he was thinking about making with his new company, Liberty Films, after the war was over, uh, but then wound up making It's a Wonderful Life instead. But, you know, it, it's 1947, you get a lot of films uh, that, that we, you know, have remained Christmas favorites. You know, It's a Wonderful Life comes out that year. It Happened on Fifth Avenue comes mm. out that year. More that I'm sure I'll watch. <laughs> Maybe something else we'll be doing on this show will All be coming right. out that year. I couldn't say. Um, so, yeah, there, there was a lot going on. Did It's a Wonderful Life ever fall out of like syndication? like, Or has it always been a, a staple? No, well, that was that was sort of the opposite thing where it fell into the public domain because they hadn't renewed the copyright. And then that's why it became so popular in syndication wow. because TV stations could air it without having to pay anybody for it. And when so did, when did that was, happen? That was in like the late 60s, early 70s. So that's why throughout the 70s, it just wallpapered television. When I grew up, It's a Wonderful Life would be literally you'd watch it on one channel and then turn to the station and it would be on something somewhere else it turned to public and, domain 20 years after it came out uh yeah you have to renew copyrights i guess wow. it, I, I mean things are changing all yeah, the time yeah, obviously yeah. That's and wild. things get things last longer but yeah for for whatever reason that movie did fall in the copyright or into the public domain and that's why that's sort of the legend of it's a wonderful life that it became such a tv staple simply because it had failed like nobody huh. it was nobody thought of it as a money maker so they just kind of let it lapse and then when it just you know soaked into american television that's when it became a beloved classic that's fascinating because that's like a uh, a strategy now with all of these uh, free streaming services that like sure. like like Pluto or the channel like there will be these channels that'll be on all of these things and the thought yeah. process is throw it out everywhere for free then you can exactly. you know so that's 
fascinating. Well, and that's that's what Ted Turner did with A Christmas Story, because right. that movie did pretty well in theaters, and it had something of a cult following happening on, like, VHS. But it was those 24-hour marathons on TNT or, T, you know, TBS originally and then TNT, where you would just have it on in the background. That's where that movie really yeah. jumped into, like, sort of permanent classic status, because there's something, you know, and, and that's part of the part of the Hallmark strategy, I think, is like, right. we're going to be on 24-7. You're going to just, you know, what, what's that thing they say on radio stations? Like, tune in and rip out the dial. You know, you're just going to put it there and stay there. And it's going to be the, the wallpaper of your holiday experience, you know. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, well, you watched it in 09. What did you think about it initially? I was immediately charmed by it. Um, it it's funny because this it always comes up about like when you see people that that you grew up watching on television you know your your Danica McKellar's and your you know the 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 Maori twins and and you know JTT last week right. um because I'm a Gen Xer and we didn't have Nickelodeon or Disney Channel and we were ba mainly spent our afternoons watching old reruns of shows that that aired before we were born. Um, this movie has uh, Don DeFore, who went on to play the dad on Hazel, uh, Gail Storm, who was on uh, uh, My Little Margie, and Alan Hale Jr., who was the skipper on Gilligan's Island. Mm. So this movie for me is a TV flashback because these people all went on to do sitcoms in the 50s and 60s right. that I watched constantly in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, uh, but I, I I think it's a really funny movie. It's really charming. I like the the setup of it all, the sort of farce of these rich people having to like pretend to be poor people in their own house and having to do housework in their own house. And I, I think it has kind of a Scroogey thing happening where the rich guy sort of learns his lesson and becomes a better person. Yeah, it, it, it is on. Uh, I like this one quite a bit. Mm. Uh, I, I oh, the thing that I appreciated about this movie was that they I, early on, I was like, all right, there's this homeless guy, you know, they're going to you know, kind of be make him the butt of the joke. And they don't like, oh, no, he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like this. This is this is the whole uh, not working movement, before, you know, before it's, you know, 2022, this guy would be now. worshipped in 2022 on Reddit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like it was, he was so fascinating, such a fa fascinating character and not at all what I was expecting uh, with that first scene of him crawling into a manhole. And I don't I mean. I don't know if that's how that works. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if he could get into houses that way, but you know, whatever. Well, what's really funny is, are, are you by chance watching the Gilded Age on HBO right now? I'm not. No, but I know, I know of it. Well, the, you know, the, the, the very, the first shot of the movie, this tour bus is going down fifth Avenue and the guy is talking to megaphone about how like, ah, oh, this is where the original 400 built their mansions. And the 400 was this thing. And they actually just mentioned it on this this most recent episode of the Gilded Age was this sort of social register. There was like the list of these are the families that matter. Mm. And, uh, and then I was thinking about it that actually it happened on Fifth Avenue in 1947 is actually closer to the 1880s Gilded Age than it is to the present day. Mm. <laughs> This movie is now is now so old that it's actually closer to like the Gilded Age and the, you know, the 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 Astors and the, uh, you know, the the Stuyvesants and those sort of old New York families than they are to to the modern era. But but yeah. And, and, and in fact, 
this house is on like Fifth Avenue and 70th. So it's nine blocks away from the mansion in the Gilded Age. I, that, wow. I, I, I just found myself thinking about that a lot while watching it this time. Yeah, it was uh, I, I just found uh, the whole premise to be fascinating. And I was racking my mind for the later segment where we try to compare it to something because it's just such an interesting uh, uh, a movie. Uh, and yeah, you know, we'll talk about the Christmas here in just, a, in just a little bit. Uh, but just as a movie, I really enjoyed it. So thank you yeah. for uh, introducing it to me. Something else that I think is really interesting is that, uh, you know, I don't know if you know about this uh, part of the, it's a wonderful life, um, you know, sort of legend. Uh, there was actually an FBI investigation into the film because even though like the, the the real red scare stuff didn't really super churn up until the 50s, there was already this concern about like communist, you know, leanings and stuff in the immediate post-war period. And because that's a movie where the banker is the bad guy right. and the the collective people, you know, like help each other Rise out. Up, there was some, right. Exactly. There was some question like, is this communist propaganda? Right. And they decided, well, no, it's not. The one of the writers of this film, however, did eventually get hauled up in front of the House of Un American Activities Committee because this is also a film in which, like, mm -hmm. the industrialist is the bad guy, and you have this collective of these veterans who are all like chipping in to try and buy this land to create housing for themselves. And so, you know, these movies have a real sort of kind of almost revolutionary political uh, uh, embodiment behind them. Like there is this sort of strong spirit of collectivism and of, you know, kind of anti, you know, anti the man, you know, yeah. anti these like literally slinging types. mud at Mr. O'Connor. Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. They throw tomatoes at yeah. the guy who they think is Mr. O'Connor. Man, it's great. Which why you're going to have your produce truck there. That just seemed like a bad idea. But you got it. Oh well. You got it. Sometimes <laughs> you got it. Uh, let's talk Christmas cheer. Um, yes. And uh, kind of where it lands uh, on the, the sliding scale. Alonzo, what does this movie do for you when it comes to Christmas feels? Well, you know, again, I, I think it, it is not, you know, geographically, you know, or, 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 you know, calendar wise entirely set at Christmas time, but it does carry through the winter. And so you do get a big Christmas moment. You get, again, I love those 1940s movies, Christmas trees, where they just look so raw and wild. And, you know, like they look like you pull the tree out of the forest and put it in your house. And it's not like this perfect sort of cone shape. You have the lead character dressed as Santa Claus. You have a new Christmas song introduced in the movie. It didn't really take off, but it's there. Um, you know, and then and a lovely New Year's dinner at the end. So I would say, you know, this is a movie that I, I have found myself going back to, maybe not every December, but with some frequency since first seeing it in 2009. So I would give it about like a six. It does take a little over an hour. Uh, <laughs> You're looking at your watch. I'm like, when the heck is the Christmas showing up, man? <laughs> But when it shows up, man, that tree is so good. The, the, mm. I, I don't know, you know, I know it's a mess, but man, tinsel's just dope. Uh, yeah. Just like, it's just hanging on, hanging on for dear life. I love and, it. And, and I will good, say, and I, you know what? lead kind. That, like, yeah, oh, you, that's you, the good you stuff. You can't have a cat in the house or they'll eat it and die. But it, uh, that hangs heavily in a way that the new stuff just doesn't do. That's exactly right. I, you know. I get a lot of grief and I bring it upon myself for my feelings on black and white, but there is something extra Christmassy about black and white Christmas trees. Like yeah. there's something about it. There's something about it. 
Alonzo, that just works, and this Christmas tree worked. Uh, so yeah, I'd put it right around five, five, six, because when it happens, okay. it happens great. Um, but like, let's just move it up. Like, what are we doing here? Like, let's do it early on. <laughs> let's let's do Christmas early on. Decorate that junk, uh, you know. And maybe it's because I have my Christmas tree by mid, you know, November, and I feel like <laughs> so every you for the entire run of this movie, you're already raring to go. That's so. what I'm saying. You got this big, big house. What are we doing with it, everybody? Let's go, chop, chop. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, all right. Recommendations, Alonzo. What what comes to mind for you kind of in a similar vein to uh, It Happened on Fifth Avenue? So this is tonally a different film, but it's also a 1947 release, and it's also about recent World War II veterans like trying to figure out what was going to be next for them and trying to like make lives for themselves having returned, you know, from the, from the, you know, global theater of war. And that would of course uh, be William Wyler's the best years of our lives, which won best picture that year at the Oscars. It beat out. It's a wonderful life. Um, and is, I think to this day, one of the greatest films ever made about the, about, you know, Hallmark loves the troops, you know, <laughs> if you want to move a movie about a realistic, smart, serious, intense and, you know, but like empathetic and humane uh, movie about the troops coming back and readjusting to civilian life. You cannot do better than the best years of our lives. There you go. There you go. The movie that came to mind, I was racking my brain because mm -hmm. I've never seen a thing quite like this. The movie that came to mind because uh, I'm always trying to go back to Hallmark is five star Christmas because okay. of the family all, you know, kind of pretending. playing along, <laughs> pretending for the, you know, the person that's coming in. And I couldn't help yeah. but wonder if there was some inspiration drawn from this movie. Cause I do think, you know, it's Christmas time. You got this family that's pretending, uh, you know, obviously you're pretending to be an employee in your own, in your right, own home in some right. cases. Yeah. So obviously there's some, some differences, but I wonder if there was some inspiration drawn there because, uh, I do think there's enough there to, to go on. Uh, so that, that would be, that would be mine. That would be mine. Um, all right. Is everybody ready? Is, is everybody, is everybody Take ready? The headphones off. All right. Um, next week we're going to do, uh, a movie that I think Alonzo, I don't know if he's seen it. I think he probably has, and I think he probably hates it um, because it's a deplorable movie, but I can't help but be charmed by it. Uh, it's Deck the Halls uh, from like, I don't know, two, 2008 or something like that. Danny DeVito. It's real bad. I uh, can't wait for it. All right, we're good. Were you looking at, were you looking at, yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Were you looking that at your watch? Crazy. Were you looking at your watch? Because you were, you were going on. I was like, what is he? This is, this is turning into a, a segment. What's yeah, happening? I'm sorry. Here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to be back next week with another one. Until then, Alonzo, maybe I'd be the first to wish you, my friend, a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Deck the Hallmarks of Bramble Jam podcast. It's presented by Philo TV. It's produced by Brandon Gray and recorded live in, yeah, that Greenville, South Carolina. Set decor is by Plum at Haywood Mall. For more information on Deck the Hallmark, you can go to deckthehallmark.com. For more information on Bramble Jam podcast network, you can go to bramblejampodcast.com. You're about to hear some ads that help keep the lights on here at the studio. Feel free to listen. Feel free to turn it off, whatever you want to. But either way, Thanks so much for your support.